Greetings, everybody. Thank you for tuning in and checking out Paranormal Prowlers podcast. Today is the 11th of September, and I just can't believe that another year has gone by and that it's been 22 years since September 11th, 2001 took place. Now, on that horrible day, 2,977 people died. They were not sick. They were not on their deathbed. They were active, happy human beings and had no idea that when they got out of bed that morning, that would be for the last time. And as we all know, the death toll, it just keeps going up with people dying from cancer, COPD, and several other 9-11 related illnesses. I was doing some homework and looking up people who had died due to 9-11 illnesses, and I did find some examples, such as Cesar Borja. He was a veteran of the NYPD. He died falling ill from lung disease. He had spent 16-hour days at the smoldering wreckage A Detective Robert Williamson. He was 46 years old when he died from pancreatic and lung cancer on May 13th of 2007 and performing recovery at the Ground Zero site. On September 3rd, 2007, NYPD officer Frank Macri died of lung cancer that spread throughout his body, including his spine. His lungs were filled with dust when the towers collapsed, and he later spent two months working on the site. The long hours on the site gave him vomiting spells, and he was diagnosed with an already rapidly progressing stage 4 cancer only one year after the attack. Now, mind you, this man, he was not a smoker. He was cancer-free before the attacks. And in 2011, a lower court ruled that 9-11 toxins were likely the cause of his death. And in 2012, the New York Supreme Court ruled that his widow is entitled to line-of-duty death benefits of his full salary. And on December 12, 2017, NYPD Captain Douglas Greenwood took his own life after a long battle with lung disease brought on by deadly toxins in the air from 9-11. The pain he suffered over the years became way too much for him to handle and it did cause him to take his own life by shooting himself in the chest. These obviously are just a small, tiny handful of people who have died. And you know, it's not stopping. The death toll, it's going to just keep rising, unfortunately. And who knows how many people, like Captain Greenwood, took their lives because of this. Many people who have died from 9-11 illnesses are our brave officers of the New York City Police Department. Eight died in 2007 alone. Two just happened a week apart from each other. Now, I actually had an episode for 9-11 written out, my annual 9-11 episode, if you will, but I had the pleasure recently to talk with a young woman who lost her father that horrible day, and I think it's very important that everybody hears her story. Without further delay, here she is. How old were you when you lost your father on 9-11? I was nine years old. Oh, my God. And if I ask anything that you do not want to talk about, please let me know. I don't want to step on toes because I can't even imagine what you went through. I'm like the biggest daddy's girl in the world, and I'm sure you are, too. And so I just like, you know, so nine years old, that's like a really super tender age. But it's still like you're old enough where you like have a lot of memories, at least. I know like some people... Were in their mom's tummy when this all happened and never got to have the pleasure to meet their dad. But um, yeah, just absolutely heartbreaking. What was your favorite thing about your dad? Mm, my favorite thing about my dad, I think, is that he was just really sweet. He was very openly sweet. You know how people sometimes are sweet, but they kind of hide it or something. He was very openly sweet and very free. Yeah. And and yeah he was fun also and he you know just what's this word i'm looking for he just i meet with some friends (laughs) (laughs) i know like for example he gifted me for my last birthday so my birthday is in july actually so i turned Mm. nine just like two months prior to that and he gifted me on that last birthday a journal for me to start journaling and for Mm. example that's something i literally to this day do so he just gave me certain things a love of books as well just certain things that really i carry with me until this day and that are really a big part of my identity yeah and my expression so it's just a 
a few key things that he provided for me that just allowed me to be expressive and to have good canal, canal, like, yeah, for my feelings and everything, which obviously instilled, yeah, he instilled those habits in me, so. Yeah, no, that's, you know, that's great. I'm a true believer that when someone passes away, you know, they're not here physically anymore, but spiritually they really still are. And I really do believe that. And I'm sure he's like just so proud of you and who you've become and just looking over you. Definitely. Well, I thought it's really interested that you interesting that you're a paranormal investigator. Yeah. (laughs) Same. How is that? It, so you just yeah it's fun you know I mean it's never a dull moment and I <laughs> you know there's been times where loved ones of mine pass away and I actually like you know we'll get phantom smells of them and I'll fill them around and communicate with them and like my grandma I smell her baking yeah I know you were saying that you're interested in the paranormal too my friend and I were actually going this Saturday to this haunted hotel in New Mexico Uh, just a couple hours away from us, the St. James in Cimarron, New Mexico. Yeah, we're going to go there and then we're going to go to a, I did an episode about Dawson Cemetery. It's a ghost town and um, a lot of miners died in an explosion, like 200 of them. And uh, they're all buried there. And so, yeah, we're going to do all of that. Uh, Have you had any paranormal encounters or anything? No, I wish. Actually, I don't specifically wish because I would get really scared if I actually do have an encounter. In regards to my father, at least, I do think that I've had specific dreams or feelings that felt as if they were his actual presence and not just me, you know, thinking about him or or anything. Yeah, that sounds like a visitation dream, really. Um, I've had that before, too. Uh, If you want, you could talk about that. That's like... I think that's like really special because yeah, those visitation dreams, it's not like you dream something and then just like wake up. This is kind of like, there's so much detail and they're so vivid and they felt so real. And a lot of the times they're comforting you or, you know, just like, you know, talking about different things. And I think that's really cool that, that your father, Pedro came to you like a visitation dreams. I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. And even in not, and maybe not even in a, in a, clear way but I do feel like he just kind of walks me through a lot of things that I do specifically with everything about his death so obviously I was really young I was nine years old and obviously it's a very shocking experience after that so he is Argentinian my entire family is Argentinian so like a year and a half after his death we came back to Argentina Mm which is really crazy in itself, actually, because this story, my mother's story of, of this situation is that, you know, it was already a year and a half, and she, we all kind of wanted to come back to Argentina just because it was a very hard, sad time, and we just wanted to be near family. Yeah. But she didn't want to leave without any, like, any information about him or any certainty, because obviously, you know, like, there's some people to this day that haven't had actual DNA yeah yeah from their relatives or anything so she really didn't want to leave without having something concrete about like him yeah and the story is that I mean it was nighttime she was at home we were all sleeping she was just crying her eyes out because she was with this situation like I need to leave I can't leave without anything about him and while she was in that moment some police officers knocked on the door and they, they told her, like, we found some remains from Pedro. Wow. And that was kind of, yeah. Wow. So we have, like, moments like that, yeah. Oh, I got goosebumps. Yeah, that's that's intense because I know, like, you're right. Even to this day, as early as late last year, I think it was, like, actually, like, really close to, like, days away from the anniversary they were identifying a person or maybe one or two people, but I thought that was like, you know, I think it's just going to keep going on, especially with the advanced DNA these days. They just like keep doing that. But I, I could only imagine like you guys wanting to go back to your home country where you're it's home, it's comfort. 
you know, but then not wanting to leave without answers or anything. And that's just so amazing that that happened. That's, oh my God. Yeah, that's amazing for sure. I, so, you know, a lot of people like, they like remember where they were when John Lennon died or, or 9-11. I remember I had to go to court because of a car accident that I was in. And uh, of course, everything was closed down. And we found out about 9-11 because we were on the way to the courthouse and we just heard, you know, on the radio and we were just in shock. And I was in Colorado when that happened, you know, that thousands of miles away, but we still just felt like, oh my God, you know, felt like we were, I don't know, it was just so hard. And I could only imagine how you felt and uh, so many other people who were actually just like right there. How did it, September 11th start for you? Just probably a normal day, right? Yeah, definitely a normal day. So another pretty beautiful thing about everything is that a year prior to 9-11, my mother and my siblings and I had moved back to Argentina because my father's like work contract was mm. about to finish and they were just like downgrading so oh. it was very likely that he was going to be laid off and stuff like that so we came back to Argentina and then he didn't get like fired or anything he even got promoted and we decided to go back to the states with him he was actually going to be transferred I think maybe to London or something at the end of the year but anyway really randomly like even my parents were kind of separated in that year and then my parent my father had to come to argentina because his father was going into a heart surgery so he oh. came kind of at the last minute and when yeah. he came back him and my mom and my mother just kind of reconnected and very on the moment decided that we should all go back to the states with him so it wasn't even planned we just randomly came back with him wow and we got to spend, like, that was three weeks before 9-11, so... Oh, like, my we God. We three weeks together, oh. which we wouldn't have been able to if not. Yeah. Right. So and then that day, I even remember, like, a week and a half before 9-11. I can't remember what exactly, but I remember that I had kind of a bad dream where he died, and we were having breakfast, and I told him, like do you promise me that we're all going to die together or something Aww. like that? And then, <laughs> so just random things that happened leading up to that moment. And then that day I was, yeah, I just, I was at school. How I remember it is I was at school first hour of the day. Obviously we had just like walked in and sat down and another teacher came in and said something, told my, my teacher something kind of secretly. And then my teacher broke down crying and she told us what had happened. And for some reason in my mind, I, I kind of like blocked out that my father, like I did something weird where I thought that the Twin Towers were actually the Statue of Liberty. Gotcha. So I kind of like, yeah reflected and I was like oh so the Statue of Liberty was the thing that was like crashed um, into yeah and I remember the kid who was sitting with me at the table looked straight at me in the face and he was like does your father work in the Twin Towers like I don't even know who that kid is but like his reaction leads me to believe that maybe his dad did because he was just like shocked and then it was chaos I think I kind of I would have shocked there because I don't really remember how everything unfolded specifically and that's something that happens to me whenever a situation is too like intense I kind of like disassociate yeah and so kind of and it obviously was a mess just a lot of I think they showed us like they put the news on the tv and we were seeing the crash oh. there and then everyone was obviously leaving school. Everyone was evacuating the entire city. So our yeah. mom came and picked us up. And this, for example, this I don't remember, but my mother tells this part to me. Apparently when I come out, I ask her, where, where's dad? And she says, he's at work. And I'm like, mm -hmm. don't lie to me. They showed us the accident on TV. Yeah. And my mother was extremely pissed. She went into the school, threw a fit 
at everyone for showing that to like nine-year-olds. And then we went to our apartment. We lived in Hoboken at that time. We went there, we picked up some clothes and we were leaving for Old Greenwich, Connecticut, where we had some friends and where we had originally lived. Mm. Like when we first moved to to the US. Um, And we went there to our friend's house and it was just a very, very confusing time. I do remember saying to my mom when we were driving out of the city, which obviously took forever because everyone was leaving the city, so it was a mess. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how is dad going to know where we are when he comes back from work? Like, I was just really stressed out about that specifically. And then I sustained my confusion about the Twin Towers and the Statue of Liberty for a while. For some reason and then obviously the the first month was my mom going back into the city with a large group of friends of my father and just people that were helping us out because they were you know just going to every hospital yeah looking for him because you never know maybe he had left for whatever reason and he wasn't actually in there whatever but I mean, the chances were very low of that because he worked in the first tower. I think it was the North Tower, right? The one that got crashed into first? Yeah. So he worked there and in the 102nd floor. So he was above the crash. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. And it was like 8 in the morning and he went to work. He got in at like 7.30 or something. So it was very unlikely that he wasn't there. But obviously that's not what my mother was telling us at the time. And it was a a lot of confusion, extreme sadness, and just kind of shock, mainly, you know? It was just, it was a very shocking change of reality from from just the joy of being every, all of us reunited there. And then just like kind of waking up to that. And I did carry that on for, a long time actually because even in my teen years I would sometimes dream that he would like just walk in through the door Mm. and that is a result of that uncertainty of like not knowing specifically where he was or what happened or how he died or having no information about how you know yeah it had been for him so that is something that we at I and I know my siblings too kind of dragged uh, on for a while Right. Yeah, I could only I could only imagine. And I'm kind of there with your mom. I find it that it was very inappropriate that at school, you know, I mean, I would I was going to say in a different state, maybe, but I mean, so many people lost family and friends and people that they know from the attacks from all, you know, several different countries all over the United States, but especially being right there in New York City where it's happening and having, you know, them show these little children who more than likely if they don't have mom or dad or somebody in there, they know somebody, you know, uncle or aunt or whatever. Geez, that's just crazy, uh, Cammy. I'm yeah. yeah, and even being scared of what you're seeing, you know, like even if you don't have anyone, like just mm-hmm. a kid doesn't really have the resources to understand something as complex as a terrorism attack. You know, I still could see the video today. I, I mean, I see it in my head, but just watching it, it still saddens me and shocks me. And I just like still know it's going to happen, but it's just like, yeah. you know, I just, again, just getting like goosebumps and chills. It's just so many precious lives were lost that day. And that's why I found it really important to do remembering 9-11 on Facebook because You know, these people, they died this horrible way, but they were so much more than, you know, I mean, they had lives. They had children and spouses and likes and dislikes and funny stories, and they had so much more. So I thought that it was really appropriate to, you know, remember these people of who they were and not how they died, you know? And um, so I did. I started doing that. I want to say, like, 12 years ago or something and you know there's sometimes where I go on hiatus and I don't do it for a month or two but 
I was trying religiously do it every day, one person a day. And obviously during 9-11, I do it throughout the day. But yeah, I like to put the person's name and, you know, I'll look them up online and I'll just copy and paste their information. And um, some of their stories, you know, are just so phenomenal and amazing. And I remember, I think it was last year, I had this woman like reach out to me saying that her husband was a firefighter and he survived. This little girl came up to him saying like, you know, my aunt's missing. Here's her picture and here's her, you know, name or whatever. And the woman was saying that she thought it would be really neat if her husband could reunite with this little girl. And her I don't think her aunt ever was found, unfortunately. That day she got back to me later on saying that they found each other online. And I thought that that was like the coolest thing, you know? So he was on the, he worked on the 102nd floor. What, what was that exactly? Like, what did he do? He was, he worked for Cantor Fitzgerald. Okay. And what he was doing is he was kind of managing, he was working for Argentina's like international debt or foreign debt there so it's kind of something like that i don't specifically like even know what that is (laughs) but yeah yeah he was kind of working for argentina's debt there and he worked in the market market, yeah in stock market okay yeah Yeah, if i remember correctly Cantor fitzgerald lost the most employees that day out of all the i think that's one of the things i was talking about during last year's annual episode, the statistics we were talking about earlier, where, you know, some of them lost everybody, some of them, like, managed to not lose any, but... Yeah, and I guess it was because they had their offices, like, above plane crash. Yeah. So, obviously, no... No escaping. Yeah, no escaping. Did he try to... Did he try to reach out to you guys? Like, I, I hear that, like... When this happened, a lot of people were able to like reach out to their families or leave messages. Did he, was he able to try to do that, that you know of? He was on the phone with a friend of his from Argentina when the accident, when the crash happened. Actually, he was on the phone. I don't know what they were talking about, but when the crash happened, he said like, oh shit, there's... A lot of smoke, people are running everywhere. I don't know what just happened. I have to go. Oh, and that man. was kind of... And then my mom was actually not at home when that happened. I think then she went home, tried to, like, stay with the phone. Yeah. To see if reach out. But then she went and picked us up. So, like, maybe he did try. I don't know. But... Yeah. I know well, we weren't able to have, like, any communication with him. Right. So, you... I know earlier you said that... Your mom did get the answers like, you know, we did find, you know, um, some remains. And was that like how from from September 11th, how long was he missing where until like finally you guys got answers that, you know, that you were looking for? So it was a year and a half the first time around that they found the first like remains. I think it was some some red like small bone from the leg or something with his DNA that they found. Wow. And then I know that five years later, they actually find found more of his remains. So we actually went back to the States to like pick those up. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And then I think that, I think that's it. That's it. We yeah. So again, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm just so grateful that you guys were able to have that because I know there's still so many people who, yeah. And I don't want to say forever missing because, again, you know, to this day, they're still being identified, which is amazing. I'm doing a lot of research still about yeah. it. Uh, but, yeah, I remember for the 20th anniversary, uh, I was interviewed for a newspaper here in Argentina. And she the, the interviewer told me about this, about how many how much how many families had never had any remains found and I was like that hadn't even occurred to me that you can actually spend that must be horrible yeah 20 no. plus and nothing 
because they probably know by now, obviously, that they are gone, that they're not coming back. But just like, you know, like when people, there's a girl who went missing in my hometown like five or six years ago. And every year I'm thinking, and we know she's gone. We know she's, but, you know, her mom said, I know I've come to terms that she's deceased, but she's like, it's so hard not having anything, not knowing where she is. And it's just like, that's the hardest thing. We just have to pray that, you know, people will keep getting identified. And again, the DNA these days, like they're like, there's almost every day where I was waking up to finding a cold case being solved because of DNA. And so it's just going to keep happening. And more and more families will get answers. It's just that, you know, so many people have now passed away themselves without knowing, you know, and without getting those answers. But, and I'm sure like you guys got answers, but I'm, I'm sure that year and a half felt like an eternity, not knowing, you know, I mean, I'm sure it felt a hell of a lot longer. And then five years later to get some, you know, to get more answers that, that too is amazing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely it's something that you kind of start kind of understanding with time. It took me a really, really, really long time to like just understand it entirely and process it entirely. I'd say I'm still processing it. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was like not too many years ago that I understood that like when we buried him, I was like, Oh, his body is under there. And it's like, no way. Definitely not. Cause obviously nobody told me like, oh, they found just a little bone of his, you know? Yeah. Like we have dad. I was like, there's no way they have dad. Like what part of dad do you have? Like, obviously he didn't, you no full bodies. Well, yeah. some, yeah, but like, probably yeah. not his. So it's just like this really smart, small parts of it that you kind of still are thinking about and processing and understanding and just trying to make peace with yeah. So Pedro, and how do you say your last name? Gray, Grehan? Grehan, Grehan, Grehan. It's Irish, so. Okay. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know that online on the Remembering 9-11, you did um, share a picture of what I assume is your mother and father and you and your siblings. And you mm-hmm. guys were so tiny. Your Your dad... He just looked so cute, you know, he looked so happy. And I'm sure that was when he was happiest is when he was with you guys. You could just look at people and know, like, you know, that that guy right there is a family man or, you know, whatever. I Just that picture is just so sweet. And looking at it because of his hair and stuff, he kind of, like, reminded me of, like, Patrick Swayze. <laughs> yes. And I love and he Patrick was really, Swayze. He was 35. Huh? But he was really young. He was 35 years old when he died, but yeah, like he had that Irish white head already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, what's your what's your favorite story about Pedro? Like, is like was like something funny or like was he just? Okay, that's a good question. I always am curious about just like most memorable or most whatevers. <laughs> Of course. Well, I think, and this is kind of like, so we were in Argentina. We went back three weeks prior to the accident. And during those three weeks, we actually took uh, like a week long vacation where we went, I don't know, somewhere to the beach. Oh. And that entire vacation is my favorite memory of him, probably because I was like, nine years old then and I had like just though it's the thing that I remember the most and I had spent like a year separated from him before that so there's not like too much that I remember prior to that but I think like my favorite favorite memory and he would kill me if he hears me sharing this but it was kind of like a nudist (laughs) and it was like all of us naked and on the in the pool like he was just very free in that way you know yeah i'm just like jumping into the pool playful he was so happy that we were all together yeah he was so in love, just very affectionate and free yeah and expressive you know yeah and so that's probably my favorite memory just seeing him like jumping naked into the <laughs> pool and like okay we can do anything 
How cute. Yeah, truly sounds like he was a free a free spirit and I don't think he'd kill you. I think he's laughing right now. He's like, oh God, Cammy, thanks. <laughs> no, you know, it's it's sweet because again, I, I always try to remember how the person lived and not how they died, you know? And I think that's just so important because, you know, he had 35 years of just living life what seems like to the fullest. And I'm sure he missed the hell out of you guys that year you weren't around, you know, you weren't together. And I think that, that is so special that your mom and him were able to reunite, get back together. And yeah, you only had three weeks, but you had that three weeks, you know, and of course you never know something like as horrendous like that's going to happen. But that three weeks I'm sure is just like priceless and absolutely like heaven sent entirely. Right. That we had that. And so you got to see him that morning before he left to go to work or? Not that morning. I did have the habit of waking up with him when he would wake up to eat his breakfast super early. And then I would go back to sleep until I had to go to school. Yeah. But not that morning. No. Yeah. But my mom did tell me that he woke up with a fever that day and she was like telling him not to go to work. Aww. But he was like, he was someone that never missed a day unless he was like dying or something. Right. Well, ironic, but... Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure your mom, I'm sure you guys are kind of like, you know, what if, what if he stayed home that day? Yeah. A lot of what ifs that, you know, you have to learn to let go because if not, it's just torture. Yeah. Unnecessary torture. Right. Definitely beat myself up for years and years about not having woken up that day. Oh, that's just like the human nature of, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, bad about something or guilty about something. Yeah. So, Cami, you, you know, for those who are listening, over a little over ninety different countries that have listened in to this podcast and. For those listening who may have lost a beloved parent during those heinous attacks, is there something that you would like to say to them? Yes. So it was, there's a lot of, I'd like to say about this. (laughs) Firstly, it was really kind of difficult for me to deal with the way in which my father died. Obviously, because it was like, a worldwide event that everyone, like you say, everyone knows knows what they were doing that day. Even here in Argentina, you'll go to like to the farm or like a small town anywhere. Yeah. And they'll know exactly what they were doing that day. So it's insane. And that took me a long time to just wrap my head around. Okay. So yeah, he died, but how he died and what that in itself represents is a really important part of the death itself. And me being in Argentina, obviously we're like the only family here that lost someone in that attack. Oh, wow. So I was really alienated from, from the whole, you know, just community. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, 2019, I received some paperwork from a firm that represents us in this enormous class action that got created after the 9-11s for compensation. And basically we got notified that we weren't eligible for compensation because we are non-citizens. No way. No. Yes. That's bullshit. Bullshit. That's absolute yes. bullshit. Wow. Yeah. I d- exactly. I didn't know they could even pull something like that. That's that's ridiculous. He died in the attacks. Yeah, and that is actually something that I really wanted to be able to talk about. Obviously, it's kind of a legal matter. I'm not sure how much I can share about it, so I'm not gonna like go too much into detail about it. But it is yeah. something important to me, and I feel like it's important for the community as well. And that's kind of what I want to be able to to connect with other people about within the community. Um, So as I was saying, 2019, I got these documents from the firm saying like, hey, we're finally at the point where we can start 
distributing compensation for the 9-11 losses. But basically, if you're a non-citizen, you you can't, you're not eligible for compensation. And that was so infuriating. It was like almost 20 years from the loss and that they would be reaching out to me and just kind of like poking their fingers into that pain and telling me like, oh, hey, here's your hurt. By the way, we're screwing you over. Like, you won't get any compensation from it. Right. And that really really set me into the path of dealing with my father's death and death. You know, like, not just his death from, you know, the loss of a parent, but I had to get in touch with how he died and I had to start associating everything together. And that was a really painful process that lasted until last year. And... Obviously, first thing was, like, I can't even really go out of my way asking for this compensation because there's no amount of money that you can give me that will be worth his loss. Yeah. So that was the process in itself, you know, understanding that how, in my head, how I processed it took me a while. But basically, I have a seven-year-old son today. Oh. And when I connected with my father, but as a mother, I was like, okay, yes, definitely. This is something that, like, if I were him and my three kids would have been left in the state that we were left and having to deal with the things that we had to deal with for the rest of our lives as a consequence to that loss, I would be so angry if they would be, like, not even providing them with the financial support that my father entirely handled for my entire family structure. I would be so angry that they would be in a sense kind of like, obviously not discriminating them, but like leaving them out of this because they're non-citizens. When we spend our entire childhood there, we were in all intents and purposes American. Yeah. Like I was moved there when I was four. I, I think in English, you know, like I grew up at school every day saying, my pledge of allegiance to the flag mm-hmm. and then like it's just it was yeah. really period and when i when i touched base with that as a mother that's when i started really getting involved with everything more actively because like okay this is this is not just about money it's not about money in itself it's about what money represents in the situation metaphorically and emotionally and in terms of having a stability that we never had because obviously my mother never really recuperated from that loss. She was never really able to be a provider and be a nurturing, caring parent after that. So it was a bunch of things and I started getting really involved in it. I started trying to communicate with all our lawyers from this firm in in the U.S. It was really hard for me to be heard because I'm in Argentina. There's thousands of us in that class action. Yeah. So I even had to get a lawyer in Argentina to help me with this situation. And it was a year long process of me trying to get these people to listen to me. Eventually I managed it. A lawyer within the firm, he's an amazing guy. He's been actually like, he's one of those lawyers that does it for the love of it, you know, and he, feels really strongly that this is something that we all deserve as a community. He's been working in this class action for like 20 years, ever since he, you know, got out of school and everything. So Bless his heart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, And he's the one that kind of informed me that this is a really complicated situation. It's like not even people from who are actual us citizens are even being properly compensated this is a really really complicated thing where there's a lot of business relationships between the us and these countries you know even if it's like selling weapons or just like it's a really complicated relationship and that's kind of why it's been so hard for us to be properly compensated i even found out that it's not just non-citizens that are not being properly compensated so yeah It's insane. And that's why I also liked your podcast about the statistics, because I actually started getting into the statistics in the terms of numbers and money spent. Mm -hmm. 
I even brought this to my lawyer. Like, how? So I know, I know that you've spent X amount of billion dollars tracking down Bin Laden and like killing him. Okay, so I know you spent a shit ton of money on that. I know you spent a shit ton of money on the memorial, like the like the memorial grounds. Yeah. I know you spent a lot of money building another tower and remembrance. I know you spend a lot of money every year doing the ceremonies that you do. Like, how do you have all this money for all these things and then you don't have money to compensate the people that actually need the help, you know? Yeah. He even, like, laughed when I said that. And it's like, that's that's the actual fight, you know? It's just this, the, the fight is with this and not, like, everything else, so... And even speaking with him last year as a part of kind of closing this process, I actually went to New York. I hadn't been there for, I don't know, like a, a long time. I went to New York for the ceremony mm. and it was so insane to see all the people up there grieving, speaking about their loved ones like just with a lot of pain and then on the other side all the politicians staring at us it was very surreal yeah again because i didn't grow up there so it's i i can be very objective in seeing it i was like what is this yeah like why are they all like this is so weird to me yeah and speaking with the lawyers also i was like I'm sure I'm not the only one, like my family and I are probably not the only ones that are in this situation where we're not being compensated because we're non-citizens. Where is everyone else? Like, I would love to be able to get in contact with these people that are in the same situation as me. He said, yes, of course, there's a bunch of you, but like a lot of people aren't being able to deal this in the way that you are, because I'm I'm kind of aggressive and persistent. Yeah. And... He said, most people are just completely broken from this, you know? Like, it's a lot to have to deal with this besides the loss and being constantly told, no, 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 you know? like Yeah, I could only imagine, like, you know, they feel like they're, like, hitting brick walls and it's just, like, constant, you know, like you said, no, no, no. And I'm sure there are people who have just given up, just saying, well... I guess I'll have to throw in the towel, even though I don't want to, you know, but uh, persistence pays off. And I'm glad that you, you know, found a phenomenal lawyer who's helping. Don't give up. I know a lot of people probably feel like this is a never ending thing. And, you know, it's like a battle that just cannot be won. But you still have to fight it. Oh, absolutely. You have to fight it. You know, when you when you say no, they're not going to. It's kind of like, okay, well, we could write off this person or whatever. And it's like, yeah. uh-uh, Cammie's here to stay. And that's good. You're, you're Pedro's voice. You're your dad's voice, you know? And, I mean, that that says a lot. So, I mean, that's... So, I would love to, to just be able to get in touch with people, especially people like me who are maybe now going to our 30s and really just going into adulthood, coming from that experience in childhood, just kind of connecting and I don't know. I don't know, but I feel like something good would come from that, at least even if it's just for, you know, just being there kind of for each other or a place where we can have a conversation about these things or even get organized and I don't know, whatever, but Right. So to this day, Cammy, have you been able to find anybody who lost a parent that day? And like, well, again, again, with what people don't really want to like feel these things anymore, I, I think. So, yeah, I did find one person who's my age, basically kind of a bit older. And we talked for a second, and I was like, I would love to. I'm I'm really up for, like, frontal and, and direct. And I think I might be too intense sometimes <laughs> for some people. But I was like, hey, my dad died too that day. And just kind of talking about everything. And they're like, hey, yeah, that would be great. And then maybe they don't, you know, really get back. Yeah. So I know that it took me 20 years to be able to deal with this. So I know that, you know, yeah, it's not easy. Well, I feel like we have 
we have to like go through it yeah well and I think it's therapeutic like you know when you yeah, talk about things you know there's there's so many times where because I've dealt with the paranormal for over 10 years close to a dozen years but I've been a lifelong fan of it I feel that when somebody in my life dies, whether they're young or old or how they died, I, you know, some people are like, well, you deal with it all the time. You should be kind of used to it. And I'm like, I'm like super emotional <laughs> when somebody close to me dies. Like I really am. And it stays with me. You know, I've had friends um, lost to murder before and um, not like terrorist attack, not, not like that, but you know, and it, it does, it stays with you. But I, I find it so therapeutic when you talk about it. You talk about that person, their likes and the funny things about them. And like, like you and your dad, like, you know, like a true nudist at heart, you know, just like things that make you smile and laugh, you know, it's like, <laughs> I think that I'm sure there's more people out there who are like you, who are just dying to bond with somebody who's been through it and talk about it. You know, whether it's mom, dad, aunt, uncle, brother, sister, whatever, you know. And I think that, I think it's healthy to do that. So, Cammy, if if your dad was here today, what would you say to Pedro? I would just hug him. I hear you. I would probably, like, crawl up onto his arms as if I were, like, two. <laughs> hug him and not let go, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, yeah, for sure. So are there things that you do in his memory? Like for me, I know like people like, you know, sometimes I'll do things like I'll bake a certain special thing like my for Christmas. My grandma was a phenomenal baker and I have her recipes and I'll just like make like four or five, six or seven different things for Christmas. So it's like a taste of grandma's good, you know, baked goods is still around. And I do that every year since she passed and they're like, you know, is there anything that you do? You know, I believe like, you know, our loved ones live on through us, you know, that are no longer here. Is there anything that like, you know, special little things that you do in memory of your father, Pedro? Well, yeah, I think I, I am so attached, attached to journaling because of that specifically. That's kind of my way of having him kind of live through me because he was he was he journaled to himself and everything yeah one of the tough things about this kind of particular death also i'm sure it happens to a lot of people in the same situation is that it was so like jarring and shocking for the psyche yeah that in my case at least my mother was able like my mother wasn't able to carry him him on in our lives because it was just too painful for her so it was a really intense cut yeah and nothing really was kind of provided for us to remember him by but the pain of how he died for a lot of a lot of years every fucking year actually yeah uh, i think that's why my trip last year was so important to me and to my family it's because what I did by going there, I even like met with the lawyers, I went to the ceremonies, I took his sunglasses that he loved, kind of these small things. Yeah. And when I got back from the trip, I was like lying down in bed and an image of his face came into my mind, mm. like just and he was smiling and I could see his facial gestures. And it was really the first time since he passed away that I was able to see him outside of how he died wow so, yeah it's like i just realized in that moment how like his memory was just the memory of how he died because it was just so painful specifically for my mother and obviously then for us mm -hmm. as well yeah and i feel like that's part of why it would be great to find people in the same situation and just kind of have a community where even though it's incredibly painful we go through these things because it really does pay off later. Like, now I just don't have so much... Like, I can think about him separated from his way of dying, you know? Right. And I think yeah. also, like, like you said, you had just come back from New York, going to the ceremony for the anniversary. 
and, you know, talking with the lawyers and all of that. And it's this journey that you've been on fighting for your family, fighting for your father. And I think that then you just like see him like so close where the details on his face and every like, you know, the, I think that's like a way of him being there, just like knowing what you're doing. Like he knows that you're fighting a hell of a fight and you're not giving up. And I think that he is recognizing that. And yeah, he literally was smiling at me. Like, that's hey. awesome. He's proud of you. He's, you know, <laughs> I think that's, yeah. That's great. I mean, and I don't know about you, but like when I lose somebody, I like talk to them. Like there's times where like I'll like, whether it's going to the cemetery or wherever, if I just feel them, sometimes I'll just like feel them like that they're there and I'll just like start talking like out loud. And some people are like, this girl's crazy. Like she's schizo. I'm like, no man, I'm talking, <laughs> you know, but I know cause I know they're hearing me. I know that they're listening to me and I, I do. I'll like, have a full-on conversation you know my cousin um he was in the military and he's buried at fort logan in um, colorado it's a national cemetery i used to go visit him every single day when i lived in the area and i i would just like sit there and talk 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 my ear off to him i would talk about my day i would just talk about whatever i wanted to and i remember one time i was supposed to be at work I guess I fell asleep and I, I like wake up like hugging his big ass headstone and I'm like, oh God. And I like go to work and I'm just like, I am so sorry. I like totally passed out talking to my cousin at the cemetery. And they're like, oh yeah, sure, Tessa. If you didn't want to work, you just could have told us. And I'm like, I'm not lying. Cause like your dad, even if I was sick, unless I was like contagious or something, I would go into work. Even with this podcast, I have never missed a single week. For over four years now, April 9th this year, four years doing this religiously. Every Monday, a new episode comes out, and 9-11 happens to be on this Monday. But there are times where I would do, you know, 9-11 would be, like, on Sunday. Okay, that's a bonus episode. I'm doing an episode for Monday, too, two in a row. And, you know, there's times where I felt like I had strep throat, and you could hear my voice just, like, and I would apologize for my voice. But, yeah, like your dad, I just, nope. You know, don't stop, never stop it, but yeah. Definitely, and I think that's something that he passed on. Um, probably that's why I can be persistent throughout yeah. this, even with all its difficulties and its improbability of getting solved and just, you know, coming face to face with things like the ceremony and seeing everyone so broken and also seeing everyone broken and just kind of content with the space that they were being given to commemorate their loved ones. And all I could see was like, this is such bullshit. Yeah. They have this scenario where they come up on stage once a year and they say the name of their loved ones and then they go back home and they're just sad or broken still from everything. And they, they should really just do what they have to do to actually help people come out of this situation. Yeah. So definitely important to push through. Absolutely. Yeah. Just not giving up. And because I'm sure that's kind of what they want. It's so easy to throw an excuse saying, oh, sorry, you're not from this country. Uh, Well, yeah, but like you said, you were there since four years old and your dad sure as hell died in the United States terrorist attack. And I mean, that's like saying like one life's not important you know, and one family isn't important and Pedro is important. Yeah. Total bullshit. Sorry that you and your family have been going through that. You know, I mean, you absolutely don't deserve that. You, I know the best thing would be to have him back. You know, like you said, no money yeah. amount is going to make things better. You know what I mean? I, you know, I think about the people that were lost that day. I think about the families a lot. Yeah, it's something that it's a it's a small things that go into a loss like that, right? Because obviously you have an incredible amount of pain and grief. But then probably for a lot of kids, like in my specific situation, probably if they even did have one leftover parent as I did, that parent was probably dysfunctional from that point on, you know? So Yeah. Struggling 
with that level of pain and then even having to take care of your caretakers because they're broken from it. It's like, can you give these people some peace? Like on top of it, having to struggle and on top of it, just having to, I don't know, it's a lot. Like there's a lot that goes into the experience besides the obvious grief of losing someone you loved. And that's also what I, you know, what I got in touch with after getting thrown into this process of just realizing how how much it had really deeply affected a lot of lot of lives that were even left over, you know. And that's kind of a fundamentally sad thing about it is like these are so many lives that were deeply ruined. Yeah, never the same. Exactly. Well, and you brought up a good point, actually, Cammy, about after the attacks and the homes of the people who lost somebody, you know, like the whole country, countries everywhere nationwide were grieving, obviously. But it's different when, you know, like me, I, I get to go home to my mom and dad, where you, there was this huge absence. And like you said, you put it beautifully that, you lost one member, you one parent, you have another, but they're not full. They're they're numb. They're not they're they're not thinking. Some of them are unstable. Like you see it all the time in kidnapping cases when, you know, one sibling is gone, they don't know where that sibling is, and then the the surviving children Mom and dad are a mess. They're not paying attention to you. And then I'm not saying that happened to you. I'm not with your mom, but I'm no, saying. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's what happens as a result of. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like their attention isn't on you. It's on something completely different. And, you know, I mean, now they're thinking like we're, yeah, it's just, I, again, it's like there's so many, you know, we, like we talked about earlier, the number of victims just keep getting higher the the number is higher than anybody knows because you guys are victims too where you know you lost somebody you 9-11 was definitely just an absolute and continues to be an absolute nightmare I uh I was in Tombstone recently in Arizona I go there every year and I was talking to a gentleman he was even saying how he like you know he keeps losing people from you know, illnesses yeah. that they yeah. never would have gotten. And, yeah, because um, they're exposed to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just doing research about some of the people who are following in their father's fo- uh, footsteps about being firefighters, you know, they're, like, saying how their dad for the, like, next eight months afterwards, just every day was, like, you know, recovering, going through that mess, that rubble and recovering remains and different things. And it's like that the, those toxins, everything there is just, it's horrible. No, that, yeah, exactly. That's kind of the crazy thing about it. It's really something that we're not even fully aware of the scales of the consequences of it still 21 years later, 22 years later. Yeah. I can't believe the anniversary. And I hate to say anniversary because anniversary, you think happy, loving, you know, wedding bliss. And it's just kind of like, I wish there was another appropriate word for something such as this, but I can't believe that another September 11th is just a week away, really, right? Less than a week away. It's just, it's mind blowing, but yeah. Yeah. And I think obviously there's a lot to be learned from the experience as, you know, just humanity in general and letting the grief of it numb you down too much kind of prevents you from learning whatever it is we need to learn as a people and just being able to deal with that you know obviously you have to go through it in order to be able to come out of it but yeah i was talking with with an older friend of mine one day and she said that she had read an article in which i can't even say it properly because i don't even know what what it is but basically some people that believe that when something so horrible happens in a, in a place like black vortex is, is like a vortex is opened energy vortex is opened in that place because of the just the cruelty and the loss and the horror yeah and like 
I don't even know. I would like to research this to see if it's true, but supposedly those energy kind of spaces were opened in that in nine eleven, and I think that's why when you walk through the, the memorial, even nowadays, it's kind of energetically. I remember I went in and I immediately got a headache. I mean, oh, wow. it wasn't like I was emotionally too sensitive or anything. I just my head started hurting. So I don't know. Yeah. It was just a cruelty that was unleashed that yeah. we really need to work through right. as just a group of humans in general, especially the U.S. You know, it's like, okay, it's pretty clear that there's something in the way that we are operating that is fundamentally destructive. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I think even like, just like, it's interesting because, uh, so part of, Part of the time I'm in Colorado for part of the year, and the other year I'm in North Carolina on the East Coast. They have in the um, I'm I'm like right by Camp Lejeune, which is like the Marine base. They have this I think it's called like the Beirut Memorial. They have like this huge like Vietnam wall memorial, glass wall that kind of circles around just with like endless names etched in. They have uh, different memorials, and they actually were given like some like from new york it was donated to them it's actually a steel beam from from the trade center and it i get like every time i could be like so happy and then every time i go there it's just such a like and as soon as i go in that one area where it is and it's huge and these huge like i'll have to send you a picture but it's just like even just like the the nails coming out of it are just like fat and huge and gigantic and like it's just really interesting but yeah every time I go near that I get goosebumps I feel just like such sadness because of what it stands for what happened like you know it World Trade Center so many people from all over like Argentina were there and you know found work and had lives there following the American dream that's right the American dream and you know, so much good happened there. They survived a terrorist attack before, you know. Yeah, that's great. And, that. and, and I actually saw, I was doing homework, and I saw that um, they had a canine dog there, a canine officer, like a security guard dog or whatever that was there. And he was actually able to help, and he survived that attack, and he died in this one, in the 9-11. It's just... It's amazing. Just I, I try to go every year to go visit that area. And I always just, you know, like I, I just touch it and I just feel the pain and sadness and everything about it. Yeah, I'm sorry that you and your family went through that. Are you guys all still in Argentina? Like I know you are, but is your mom and yeah. siblings too? Yeah. We're all in Argentina still. We're good, honestly. We're doing okay yeah but yeah 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 it's a work in progress i guess it's a lifelong process that you go through yeah i don't think like i you know i don't know maybe time does heal wounds but i i know obviously it's not something that you guys will ever forget and i know that you'll always miss him obviously but I hope you know that he's, like, there watching over you guys spiritually, you know. Physically, no. But spiritually, definitely, you know. He's naked in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to music and, you know, whatever. And he's... <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I always think that, like, you know, when our time is, like, gone, that we're, we are reunited with our loved ones you know and I truly do believe that and it's you you lost him at a young age and that that really does suck like it yeah. fucking sucks but I think that obviously you guys will be reunited again it'll be a beautiful beautiful reunion yeah I can't wait for that <laughs> not too soon though you still got a lot of years ahead of you oh yeah like <laughs> 60 years at least I hope so, Cammie, is yeah. there anything that you'd like to say before we end this recording? Well, thank you. I'd like to say thank you for reaching out to me. It's really hard, as I said, for me being in Argentina and just very just far away from everything. It's hard for me to to be able to have these conversations, you know, on just everything. 
So thank you for the space and for reaching out. And anyone who wants to talk about this or whatever, also reach out. I think it's really healthy to just be able to talk about everything, go through everything, even if it's painful. It's always for a good outcome in the end. Right. Hope everyone is well. No, it's been my pleasure talking with you. And anytime you want to talk about your dad, even though I didn't go through what you went through, I'm a great listener. It's like, Tessa, let's Zoom. And, uh, (laughs) you know, I'd be happy to just be an ear. But please don't hesitate. Cammie would would love to hear from you and would love to talk about her sweet dad, Pedro, and hear about your, you know, whoever you lost as well. And so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Truly a sweet, amazing woman. And it was my absolute pleasure talking with her. And I mean it, Cammie, anytime you want to talk, please reach out to me. And for those listening who may have lost somebody during those attacks, my heart goes out to you as well. I will never, ever forget September 11th and the sweet, innocent people that were lost with it. May they all rest in peace. This week's special city shoutouts go to Galway, Scotland, Permarend, the Netherlands, Bucharest, Romania, Live Oak, Florida, and Delaplane, Virginia. Thanks, everybody, and we will see you next week.